this isn't a story about a woman. This is a small sneak peek that I read while buying us coffee today. Oh, okay. Because the line is popping. So. Popping. Yes. Let me just find it. This is just a crazy story. Okay, tell me. Wild. So her name is Serena Kozakura. Uh Uh-huh. And she was a, or she is, a Japanese bikini model. She was sentenced to 14 months in jail. What? For destruction of property. Oh, okay. Guess, Guess how she got out of it. How? So she proved in court that her huge breasts <laughs> made it impossible for her to squeeze through the whole of the the opening that got her into the house to destroy yeah. the property. <laughs> Boobs too big. And so it was overturned. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Boobs save the day again. Big titties. <laughs> save the tatas, save your ass. Mhm. Mhm. That's exciting. Yeah. It was on my Instagram feed when I was in the drive-thru and I was like, oh, oh, I'm going to bring this up today. I love that. There was something that I was going to bring up yesterday that I was like, oh, I have to remind myself to tell Kiana this. Danny sent, she probably didn't look at it. No, no, no. Um, Don't say that. I just have a very bad memory. (laughs) Oh, Yes, oh I did. Oh my look god, at it. that yes. thing. Okay. All right. So Thank we're you. gonna describe this what and then we... I will share it. What would we do without Danny? <laughs> what would we... <laughs> truly <laughs> we would sit here, twiddle our thumbs and go, uh, what do we talk about? Right. I don't know. So Danny is laughing hysterically on the couch yesterday, and I was like, What what is so goddamn funny over there? So she shows me this thing. It's an illustration from what year? Nineteen nineteen sixty three, right? patent for a machine that you you like strap a pregnant woman into mm-hmm. when she's ready to give birth and then it whips her around in circles so that so that the centrifugal force will just pew shoot the baby out and like catch it in a big like mitt <laughs> like a baby sized catcher's mitt that is positioned that is <laughs> right between her legs. Exactly. I was like, she showed me this and I was like, I'm sorry. This 1960, there, there, there's people alive today that were born <laughs> I didn't even before. Like, we probably know people who gave birth in 1963 to someone. Mm-hmm. And... That was on the fucking table of like, yes, I have figured it out. We'll just whip the baby out of him. You have the choice of water birth, (laughs) hospital birth, or being strapped to a machine until the G forces pull your baby out. And that's wild. That is wild. Oh my god. Can you it's like a shitty carnival ride, right? right? Like it's like the tilt a whirl but, but for but for pregnant pregnant oh man. I just I don't Delivery. even have words for it. Oh. Yeah. Danny Danny sent me the diagram and my response was the net. The, the net the net Oh, good lord. I wonder if it could be used with, like, twins. (laughs) But here's the question. Would they put a bigger mitt? Like, a bigger net? Or, like, two nets? Do they think they're going to fly out at the same time? 
Do they spin them, catch one, <laughs> grab it out, and then like whip them around again? Furthermore, I feel like if this is the idea we're going with here, mm-hmm. is that centrifugal force <laughs> <laughs> will just pull anything out of your body. Mm-hmm. Is that something that could be used for like, oh, I don't know. If you got to poop real bad, you know what I mean? Like you haven't taken a dump in a couple days and you're mm-hmm. like, you got to clear it out. Clear it out. <laughs> like, you know, maybe that prune juice just isn't working <laughs> and you're like, strap me in. I got to, I got to get some things out of here. <laughs> Kidney stones. Yeah. Oh, oh. God. <sighs> that would be wild. God. This is. Honestly. This has gone they off should, the rails. They should bring it back. If it, <laughs> I want that to be an option. <laughs> Can you imagine being like, well, this is our patent, but we need to test it. <laughs> like who shows up to that like research meeting and they're like, so here's the plan. <laughs> and they tell you and then you go, yeah, the, no, that sounds great. <laughs> who does that? Who would say yes? Well, 63. Probably didn't have much of a choice to get strapped into <laughs> that machine. That's true. Oh, man. Damn. Damn. That's wild and crazy. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. Hi. This is That Broad's Got Moxie. Mm-hmm. I'm Cassie. I'm Kiana. Danny's here. Welcome to the show, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, just a heads up. Kiana and I are trying this fun thing where we hold our microphones Mm-hmm. This week, <laughs> so it out of the stand, out of the are. stand, into the hand, oh. and oh, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully Danny doesn't find later when she's editing this that there's just a bunch of like noises mm-hmm. accompanying us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, if the audio is different, yeah, it's my it's Cassie and I's fault exactly because we were like <laughs> I don't want to sit like that I want to be able to stretch out <laughs> and move a little. Kiana is wearing a very witchy ensemble today. Mm. She walked in. I was like, oh, goth princess. I love it. (laughs) And when I walked in, Cassie's wearing a lovely jumpsuit. It is striped for activities. Beautiful color. I can move everything in this. It's I was like, I'm just anytime I'm hot this summer, girl. I don't have to wear a bra. I don't have to wear underpants under this if I don't want to. I'm currently am. But like. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I mean, we have guests. (laughs) But I mean, real loosey-goosey underneath this. Thank you. All right. So, shall we get down to business? Let's do it. All right. You're starting Uh, this week. I'm going this first this week. Mm -hmm. So, let me preface this by saying, in the time-space continuum, when we are recording, Mm -hmm. In the Heights came out on Thursday. I <gasps> didn't realize it came what? out. <laughs> what? I had it on my calendar. <laughs> I just feel like In the Heights was one of those movies that got pushed back because of yeah, COVID. Yeah. And I was, any of those movies, I was like, well, they're going to come out when they come out. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll see them later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's been out for two days. I've watched it three times because I am obsessed. <laughs> it's so good. I can't get enough of it. And so there's this little, no, it's no spoilers or whatever, but there's a part in there where they're talking about Latin history mm-hmm. and the important women in it. And so at one point they're talking about this and a bunch of names get listed off. Ooh. And so 
I'm going to read those names to you real quick because I was like, I know some of them, but I don't know all of them. Hmm. Before you start. Yes. In the Heights. Uh-huh. So the listeners know who haven't heard of it. It yes. is a Lin-Manuel Miranda musical uh, uh-huh. of Hamilton fame. Of Hamilton fame. Mm-hmm. This was before Hamilton. Yep. And it is specifically focusing on the Latinx diaspora in New York. Yes. In, in Washington, Washington Heights. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> hence, In the Heights. Yes. Also, fun connection Tell between me. Hamilton and In the Heights. I yeah. don't know if you know. So, Eliza opened the first orphanage uh-huh. in Washington Heights. It's in Washington Heights? Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, my gosh. That's, we yeah. learn something new Just every a fun day. Fact. <laughs> that is a fun fact. Oh, I love that. Perfect. Okay. So, the names that get listed off in the movie are Cheetah, Rita, Frida, Celia, Dolores, Isabel, Sandra, Julia, Rigoberta, and Mirabal. Ooh. Okay. I did my research, and I was like, okay... I know who some of them are. Frida. Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. We've um, talked about her episode. Uh, whatever. Go ahead. And insert number here. Yeah. Go Google it. Go look at it, guys. Because we don't remember. Insert your voice. <laughs> here. Exactly. Just Danny going, 37. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what we need. And Mirabal. You did the Mirabal sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, episode. Episode. Enter here. <laughs> And then another character mentions Sonia mm-hmm. Sotomayor. Ah. So anyway, I did all my research and I was like, oh, okay. I know some of these names. I don't know all of them, but I just randomly picked two of them that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. So that is who I'm going to be talking about this week and then next week. Okay. Because I was just so inspired. I was dancing around the house for the last two days. Just been really like living it. It's Hell ugh. yeah. It's so great. That's wonderful. Yeah. And just because I'm feeling some type of way and I'm going to point this out. Tell me. This is why representation matters. <laughs> exactly. The like, whole time I was watching the movie, I was like, this, this is why. This is why this is important. Yeah. Because it's bringing up people that obviously are very important in cultures different from ours. Yeah. That aren't usually heard from in mainstream. That's right. And now we get to talk about them. Now we get to we be. We do. We get to be curious about it. Ugh. And I love that. I love it, too. Oh, it makes me so happy. Okay. Oh, we have we have confirmation. What was it? Frida is episode 20. Mm-hmm. Okay. And? Side note while Danny's finding this information yeah. for us. I've been having a hell of a time picking people to cover. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I keep thinking of things and I'm like, somebody did this. I Somebody did this and um, I should go check, but I'm not going to. So I'm just going to avoid it. <laughs> Because that's where you live, Avoidance Island. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah. You and Danny are <laughs> fucking roommates on Avoidance Island. But we avoid each other. We don't see each other. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What is the Mirabal sisters? 30. 30. Oh, Ooh. All right. 20 and 30. Nice round numbers. Yeah. So the first one I'm going to talk about this week from my very long list <laughs> is Dolores Huerta. Okay. Oh. Oh my gosh. Let me just tell you. First of all, my notes came from DoloresHuerta.org, womenshistory.org. Two different articles. One is called Dolores Huerta, the civil rights icon who showed farm workers si se puede. And that was by Maria Godoy. 
NPR.org. Okay. And then this one is at 90. Labor leader Dolores Huerta still works to make a difference. And that's by Nicole Carroll at USA Today. Also, Dolores mm-hmm. is a documentary by Peter Bratt. And holy shit. What an incredible documentary this was. This woman has been, she's been fighting the good fight for 60 years. 60 years. She's still alive. She's still fighting that good fight. And I was absolutely blown away. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Let's, oh, it's good. We love, we love farm workers. Yeah, we fucking <laughs> do. Because to tell you what, we were just talking about TP being a hot commod. Mm-hmm. When the world came to a halt and it was like, are we going to be able to get bananas? Are we going to be able to get tomatoes? Are we going to get all these things that we just take for granted being at the grocery store? Mm -hmm. But to think about where they came from, Mm -hmm. who grew them, who cared for the plants, who harvested all of these things Mm -hmm. and like what their lives are like mind-blowing yeah okay labor intensive low pay yeah and that's uh, yeah. why they need somebody to that's fight for them why, that's why dolores huerta is so goddamn important hell yeah i have no idea who this is so i'm very excited oh she's great so dolores clara fernandez huerta was born on april 10th 1930 in dawson new mexico aries <laughs> <laughs> yes she's an aries <laughs> You can tell, too. (laughs) (laughs) She's on fire. Dolores was the middle child of three. Her father, Juan Fernandez, was a farm worker and a miner from a Mexican immigrant family and in 1938 became a state legislator. Her parents divorced when Dolores was three and her mother, Alicia, moved to Stockton, California with the children. So with her and her two brothers. Dolores' grandfather helped raise her and her brothers while her mother juggled jobs as a waitress and a cannery worker until she could buy a small 20-room hotel and a restaurant. Which is so fucking cool. Yeah. I thought that that blew me away. Her mother welcomed low-wage workers and farm worker families for affordable prices and at times free housing. Amazing. Um, So cool. Her mother's journey... Mm-hmm. Of, like, essentially being a single parent mm-hmm. with these kids, doing the damn thing, and then giving back to the community in a way that is so, so important for these for these farm worker families. Ugh. Amazing. Amazing. As a young girl, Dolores heard stories about her father and the hard work on the farms and about union organizing. She saw her mother's community activism generosity and compassion which would greatly influence her future in high school dolores was active in numerous clubs and that kind of got her started on her journey for like social justice Mm -hmm. but she was also a majorette and a dedicated member of the girl scouts adorable which is so great because that's all about service Mm -hmm. and giving back to your community i love the girl scouts i wish i had stayed in it longer i I was a daisy (laughs) (laughs) and then we moved and then i never i never participated again although 
Side note, my mom, mm-hmm. because she has a very similar personality to me, started kind of like her own Girl Scouts thing. She called it Weeby Kids. Oh. And it was really cute because we didn't we lived in a tiny, tiny town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really have a Girl Scout thing in Gerritsen where we lived. So my mom started this like Weeby Kids and we did all the same stuff like Girl Scouts did, but we didn't have sashes or patches, but we did like the big help and we cleaned up the like school playground. Aww. Right. <laughs> and we would go to the nursing home and like take books up there and read to residents and stuff like that. So we very much did our own thing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so, yeah, I was shout out to my mom because I tell you what, <laughs> the older I get, the more I'm like, God damn it. What a badass woman. <laughs> I did not, I didn't realize how many of like my own personal things that I'm super proud of and like my compassion and drive to like help people and volunteer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much that came from her. So, oh, hey mom, what's up? You're great. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky, you're the tits. Okay. <laughs> she'll, she'll appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So, in addition to her, specifically her mom, being a huge influence on her, the opposite side of that, that drove her to try to make a difference in the world, was the discrimination that her and her family faced. Yeah. Once in elementary school, a teacher accused Dolores of cheating because her papers were too well written, which is some (laughs) fucked up shit. (laughs) I've read about that happening to, like other people too Uh it is gross it's really (laughs) gross and like super dramatic yeah yeah for well achieving students of color exactly what the hell i just want to be like to the teacher be like why do you only think that rich white kids are capable Mm -hmm. because it's not the fucking truth at all i think we've proven that a lot a lot a lot a lot (laughs) so yeah That was real, like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's really sad. And then in 1945, at the end of World War II, she was still quite young, a group of white men brutally beat up one of her brothers for wearing a zoot suit. Oh. Yeah. It's the fucking big band era. It was like Americana at its finest. Zoot suits were in, Mm -hmm. and they were hot and happening, but these military men... Mm-hmm. just we're not having it from my understanding of zoot suits it was mostly people of color who wore yeah. them and they were considered like too excessive in uh-huh. times of rationing that's right and so there was the added element of racial and it yeah was, yeah yeah if for those who don't know what zoot suits are thank you yeah. thank you Okay, where was I? Okay. She learned early that injustice was very real and watched as brown and black people were targeted, terrorized, and beaten by the police. Dolores was no stranger to racism and prejudice and grew up with the belief that society needed to be changed. So, she graduates high school. She attended college at the University of the Pacific's Stockton College, uh, where she earned a provincial teaching credential but after teaching elementary school for only a short time she left her job and became her lifelong crusade to correct economic injustice 
so basically she was like i need to be able to do more mm-hmm. like i see these children come in and they're hungry and it's like I need to fix the bigger problem here mm-hmm. instead of trying to put a Band-Aid on it. And, you know, it's just she wanted to really get down and dirty and fix some shit. Yeah. All right. So in 1955, Dolores, along with a man named Fred Ross, co-founded and organized the Stockton chapter of the Community Service Organization, which fought for economic improvements for Latino, Mexican and Chicano migrant farm workers. She played a key role by delivering the organization's message in Spanish and English. So she's hitting all the demographics, Mm -hmm. like farm workers of every creed and color, Mm -hmm. right? And she promoted the agenda by using door-to-door grassroots organizing, which... Highly effective. Highly effective. There is nothing more effective than knocking on somebody's door and being like, hey, can I share this with you? Mm-hmm. Or can, even just like, can you tell me what's going on? Tell Exactly. What can I do? What can we do to make your life easier? To make your, your job easier? You know? Mm-hmm. So, naturally, though, by taking on a leadership position as not only a woman, but a woman of color she faced a plethora of sexist, racist criticism. And this is just this very, like, intro part talking about in the documentary. Mm -hmm. They showed this so perfectly. Like, more than, like, I, this is, like, four pages long of notes. It just keeps going. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, the documentary is so great, and it just... Because it's interviews with Dolores and with her children mm-hmm. and with, like, Angela Davis, which I was like, oh, queen, <laughs> you make everything sound so amazing. Mm-hmm. And some of the men in these different groups that she worked with talking about, like, yeah, they treated her like shit because she was a woman and they wanted her to sit down and be quiet, but also were like, I mean, she's also doing good work here, so maybe we should, like, listen, but not too much. So, <laughs> I would love what she was saying if it was coming from someone else. Exactly. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic, yes. So, in 1960, she co-founded the Agricultural Workers Association, which set up voter registration drives and pressed local governments for barrio improvements. In 1962, Dolores and Cesar Chavez, that's where the connection probably comes from, Mm -hmm. organized and founded the National Farm Workers Association, which would later become the United Agricultural Workers Organizing Committee. So... This, in 1962, she meets Cesar Chavez, who apparently was real quiet, kind of shy guy. And she was like, hey, hey, let's let's sit down. Let's fucking get some shit done. And he was like, oh, good. It's that Aries energy. Yep. It sure <laughs> is, girl. Okay. So they did this because farm workers have historically been excluded from federal labor laws that guarantee the right to picket and form unions. Mm. So, 
back then a combination of racism and just plain nobody gives a shit <laughs> led to the largely white leadership of unions mm-hmm. right in all these different industries they're just led by white men yeah and so farm workers were left out of this mm-hmm. because well first of all they're brown yeah and many of them came from marginalized groups because they were migrant workforces mm-hmm. you know there a lot of latinos and filipinos were most made up most of the farm workers and they were like well why should we care yeah which is a real fucking dick thing to do yeah all right systemic 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 that leads me right to my little i was like okay (laughs) i was not i was 10 minutes not even 10 minutes into this documentary and i was like that's it that's the root of the problem racism (laughs) so i have a little blurb that i just was like okay i'm gonna try and put it in a little like here it is Mm -hmm. so I said, now let's take one garbage minute (laughs) to talk about what's really going on here and why this is so important. Mm -hmm. So in the time-space continuum, when this episode comes out, we will have recently celebrated the 4th of July. Ah. That's our Independence Day, right? Mm -hmm. No longer under the rule of Britain, blah, blah, blah. We're still colonizers and garbage. But we're no longer under King George. We can all be Puritan assholes and really dig our heels in. Really steal that land freely from the indigenous people. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So I literally wrote, and while I could sit here all day and talk about the historical travesties that have taken place, I won't. (laughs) That is a much different uh, podcast. Um, Yeah. You can yeah. you can fit together oh. through our whole run. Yes, <laughs> you sure can. Just some stuff. Some, some thoughts and some feelings that we really feel deep down. Mm-hmm. Some examples of bad things. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. The United States, America, has always portrayed itself as this beacon of independence mm-hmm. and liberty and human rights and racism. <laughs> All caps. And I took, I can't remember the guy's name. He said this very eloquently. And so I kind of took his words and put them in a sentence of my own. But basically from the beginning, the real shitty, shitty, shitty part of this country Mm -hmm. is slavery. Mm -hmm. And with slavery, even after slavery was no more, there was still the potential for the enslavement of other people. Mm-hmm. Which is what happened to these farm workers mm-hmm. and to other immigrant groups who came to the United States. Mm-hmm. They were exploited in whatever industry they found themselves in. Mm-hmm. And it just became fucking indentured servitude and slavery. Yeah. But without the capital S, mm-hmm. basically. And also, just to throw this in there. Yes. 13th Thir- Third, exactly yeah. so in addition the school to prison pipeline exactly is modern day slavery yep that's exactly there what it go. is <laughs> so in an effort to really learn all she could about the farm workers and to be able to do the most good for them um she was able to take an inside look at how they were living and they were by far the most poverty-stricken workers. She explained that farm workers were being paid little to nothing. 
They had no rights. They slept on the floors. Their furniture was wooden boxes. And they didn't have clean water, access to bathrooms. They would work from sunrise to sundown and were not given any breaks, which is some fucked up shit. Yeah. Many of these workers would migrate and travel to where the crops were in season, meaning their children did not have proper education Mm -hmm. and would often work in the fields along with their parents, which is child labor. Yes. (laughs) There's lots of laws against that. Mm -hmm. She also said that this was a very dangerous place for women to be working because there were many, many instances of sexual assault and rape. But they were in fear to speak up about it because they would lose their job and whatever shitty housing they were being provided. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do? Yeah. Many of the landowners would justify themselves by basically saying, like, we're doing them a favor and the public a favor by giving them these jobs. Which, again, I was... <laughs> like... <sighs> bo- boiling flames. Flames <laughs> on the side of my face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That Guys, sort of sounded like a Julia Child impression. I, hey, was that just me? <laughs> it's, for anybody who doesn't know, it's from Clue and Madeline Kahn does that Mm. and it's very funny (laughs) and i just it was just recently in a show that danny watched and i saw the scene and then it was in another podcast and i was like god damn so i recently like watched the movie Mm -hmm. and i was like oh perfect i you know what (laughs) everybody should use it when you're angry flames on the side of my face (laughs) that's that's how i feel and that is also how Dolores felt. She was like, <laughs> what the fuck? All right. So baby steps were the key to creating real change mm-hmm. because organizing and grassroots and trying to make something happen out of nothing is not easy. Mm-hmm. And the active. And yes. <laughs> active fighting against system changes Everything. by the people. thing Who have power. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. It's easy. So one of the first groundbreaking efforts to bargain with an agricultural enterprise started in 1965. Dolores directed the UFW's national boycott during the Delano Grape Strike. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Taking the plight of the farm workers to the consumers. So basically, they all said, fuck grapes (laughs) for five years. And they went all over the country, at one point, there were 17 million people who had stopped eating grapes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they talk about this. There's so much information. Let me just tell you. Mm-hmm. Pages. Page. So much. <laughs> because, this, again, 60 years, this woman has been fighting fucking tooth and nail to get this shit done. Mm-hmm. So, but in the documentary, they have... Such amazing footage of people holding signs up that say, like, boycott Safeway. They were like, if they have grapes, don't shop there. So they were not only not buying the grapes and saying, fuck you, grapes, but also going, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. (laughs) I'm only going to the A&P because they don't have grapes. And I'm not giving my money to them. Wow. Yeah. That's super cool. It (laughs) It was absolutely fascinating. At one point during this grape strike, they're going, they have different 
like cities mm-hmm. all over the country where they have people working for them and helping for the cause, right? Mm-hmm. Spreading that message. Spreading that Fuck message. <laughs> and she, Dolores, ends up in New York City during the peak of the women's movement, meets Gloria Steinem. She's getting together with all these different groups. And at one point, she goes, we didn't even have to go to Harlem. They just did it. They went into these stores. They said, do not carry these. We won't shop here if you do. And they fucking took care of business. We love solidarity. We love solidarity. <laughs> and it's like this. There was this great section about Dolores. She's a very religious, very spiritual woman. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, she didn't consider herself a feminist. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because because of her beliefs. And so she meets Gloria Steinem. Mm-hmm. And she sees this women's movement and the civil rights movement that's also happening at the same time. And all of these groups are like melding together in the 60s. And it's like intersectionality and like every marginalized group who's ever had to fight for something are all coming together and like supporting this person and supporting these people and just back and forth. And eventually Gloria Steinem is like, you know what? We're going to fucking support this. And it's beautiful. I'm getting goosebumps because I just like the sixties is this peak of like everyone fighting for what is right and Mm -hmm. what is just. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the Republicans happened <laughs> and <laughs> fucking Reagan swooped in that oh, too. Girl, don't get me girl. started on Reagan. <laughs> so I was watching this documentary with Cassie and I catch the part where he's still just a governor mm-hmm. of California Cal- mm-hmm. where a lot of this was all taking place. Obviously the grapes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's California who's getting fucked over. By boycotting grapes mm-hmm. and fuck Reagan and, I told, <laughs> and fuck grapes. <laughs> I told Cassie, "Oh, Kiana's gonna be so thrilled that her favorite person makes a cameo in this story." <laughs> so <sighs> he's fucking horrible. He's he fucking horrible, and he, he has such a big part in this fucking bullshit. Also, you know, of course he fucking does because does. we're getting started on Reagan. He's a bitch. He That's is a what he punk is. ass bitch. And you know what? You know what? Because 17 million people across the country were like, fuck grapes. Guess we're not eating grapes anymore. You know what fucking Dink Nixon did? You know oh. what Dink Nixon does? Oh. What? <laughs> he fucking comes in and he's like, don't worry. I'm going to buy all the grapes and send them to our soldiers in the in Vietnam. Yep. yep. The war that was the, not approved yes. by Congress. Yeah. The war where we drafted a bunch of people. Yep. Against their will. Died for no goddamn reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. But grapes work. Yeah. Grapes. As a great consolation. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Sorry, sent. Screaming. <laughs> thousands. Thousands of pounds of grapes to our soldiers in Vietnam as like a fuck you farm workers. We will just buy all the grapes. I, I, flames, flames. <laughs> Gosh, and you know those the drafted soldiers, a lot of people of color in there who probably support the yep. fuck grape movement. Yep, 
Yep. And I'm sure they were pleased to see grapes on yeah. the plate. And you know who else was in Vietnam? The children of migrant workers who got drafted to go to Vietnam and die for their country while their parents are being fucking shat on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to, we could talk about this all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So they said Reagan. fuck grapes. And then Reagan happened. And then everybody else happened. It was very angry. But the boycott resulted in the entire California table grape industry signing a three-year collective bargaining agreement with the United Farm Workers in 1970. What is it? So. What was the agreement? Shit. It was a collective bargaining agreement. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, basically, that just means they could sit down, set some things in stone for the next three years to ensure that people were getting paid, you know, and had certain rights given to them. Mm -hmm. But there was a whole thing after those three-year contracts came up where the Teamsters came in and fucked everyone over again. Mm. It was, that part was a little confusing, but again, watch the documentary. It's on, it's a PBS documentary and it's so beautifully well done. Great music in it. Great. Everything is perfect. So. (laughs) Uh, Just watch that because it explains a lot. Mm -hmm. And just, I don't know anything about Mm -hmm. this, but I'm going to put some speculation in there. Tell me. Three years. Mm -hmm. That's a short period of time. It sure is. I'm sure there's a lot of, um, there's a motivation to halt or prevent actual collective bargaining from happening. A lot of shutting down of people who are, you know, in more in touch with the community. And I don't, don't blame Teamsters. All no. Out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. It's just yeah. It's just yeah. a lot of complicated things. There's a lot of fucking red tape and a lot of hoops to jump through mm-hmm. because these landowners they don't want to make concessions. Yeah. There's a huge motivation for the people in power to keep the oppressed. <laughs> to keep oppressed. It. <laughs> yes, ma'am. All right. So, moving on. Dolores spoke out early and often against toxic pesticides. That threatened farm workers, consumers, and the environment. Yes. And a lot of these, obviously, toxic pesticides are toxic to everybody. But this tied in again with women's rights Mm -hmm. and the women's rights movement as a way to be like, we need to protect, like, yes, we want women to be able to work and do whatever the fuck they want to do. But also, we need to protect them. Mm -hmm. And their future, should they choose to have children, because that, like, infertility and things like that were huge risk factors that came with working around these mm-hmm. these pesticides. And again, also, we're just putting poison in the air <laughs> and on the food that are going into people's homes mm-hmm. and all sorts of shit. Okay. So, the early... UFWOC agreements required growers to stop using dangerous pesticides such as DDT and Parathion, both of which are very, very dangerous. Dolores lobbied in Sacramento and Washington, D.C. She organized field strikes, directed UFW boycotts, and led farm worker campaigns for political candidates. As a legislative advocate, 
Dolores became one of the UFW's most visible spokespersons. And this part broke my heart also. Mm-hmm. So Bobby Kennedy, yes. Robert F. Kennedy, mm-hmm. was really, really good friends with Dolores. And they worked fucking hand in hand to fucking get him mm-hmm. into the into the primary. And he, he won. Mm-hmm. With with the help and the votes of Dolores and working collectively to make this happen, mm-hmm. and Robert F. Kennedy with Dolores by his side, literally standing next to him at the podium, mm-hmm. acknowledged her help for helping to win the nineteen sixty eight California Democratic presidential primary, just minutes before he was assassinated in L. A. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and then really so sad. so I, I I read this and then we were watching the documentary and I had to pause it. I literally turned to Danny and I was like I tell you what the fucking Kennedys aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. But this country would be a different fucking place. Yes. They were killed for a reason and yeah. that is there's a motivation yeah. in this country to keep the oppressed yep. oppressed. Yes. And they were in their imperfections mm-hmm. trying. They were fucking trying. And it just broke my heart into pieces to be like, man, we could be in such a different place mm-hmm. had some assholes not taken out two people who were just trying to fucking make some progress mm-hmm. fucking a sad very sad it's really sad she was there yeah yep it's really because like <sighs> like literally right next to him 10 and then 10 minutes later mm-hmm. him and five other people were shot yeah and it's like she spent all this time up to all now time. working so hard and it's like a light yeah yeah and then something and then it just bloop it just snuffed out yeah that's heartbreaking Ugh, don't get me started on guns yeah <laughs> yeah that was a whole other i didn't even touch on that but dolores everything she did mm-hmm. her boycotts the protests the picket lines everything she spoke about nonviolence anytime she could mm-hmm. and then to see such violence happened to a person who was trying so hard to help mm-hmm. is devastating. Yeah. That's why, again, mm-hmm. going off a little bit. Tell me. It's hard to fight for your rights with nonviolence when the opposition is totally cool using violence. Yeah, absolutely. And so when there are, say, protesters, for example, uh-huh. who um, use maybe some violence on properties mm-hmm. and maybe storefronts and stuff because... They are experiencing violence every day. Yeah. You're sympathetic towards it. Yep. You should be sympathetic. You should it. be. <laughs> don't don't make yourself garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Just like think more big picture when Get some fucking perspective. Yes, Let's all yes, do yes, that. Yes. Just yes, a yes, little yes. just a little of perspective. <laughs> a little taste. A little taste. Mm-hmm. Snack. <laughs> all right. This is wonderful. You're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. So Dolores succeeded in bringing together feminists, community workers, religious groups, 
Hispanic associations, student protesters, and peace groups. All of these people were united to fight for the rights of migrant farm workers. Victory finally came in 1975 when California Governor Jerry Brown signed the Agricultural Labor Relations Act. This was the first Bill of Rights for farm workers ever enacted in America. It legally allowed them to form a union that would negotiate with farm owners for better wages and working conditions. Mm-hmm. In addition to organizing and this Labor Relations Act that came out, Dolores was also active in lobbying for other laws that would just generally help improve labor workers' lives. A couple of them of note was a bill to permit Spanish-speaking people to take the California driver's test in Spanish because representation (laughs) and accessibility, Mm -hmm. accessibility are so important. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Also, she helped get through a 1963 legislation to extend the federal program Aid to Families with Dependent Children to California farm workers. Because up until then, federal assistance or aid of any kind was like, oh, sorry, nope, none for you. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's to say the least. Understatement of the year. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. As an advocate for farm workers' rights, Dolores has been arrested. 22 times the last of them being last year (laughs) during a protest and i was like yes bitch she was either 89 or 90 getting arrested for just the last time like just over a year ago and to that i say fuck yes (laughs) hell yeah okay so arrested 22 maybe a couple more than that i don't know when this was written for participating in non-violent civil disobedience activities and strikes her steadfast fight for farm workers rights has placed her in at times great personal danger wow i wrote that weird (laughs) at times she was in great personal danger there we go (laughs) fixed it so in september of 1988 in front of the saint francis hotel in union square dolores was severely beaten by a San Francisco police officer named Frank H.M. during a peaceful and lawful protest of the policies and platform of then-candidate for president George H.W. Bush. Girl, don't get me started on that. Don't. You talking about Reagan's vice president? Yep. Uh, that's... I'm sure he he keeps great company. Oh, I'm sure yeah. he's a good guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. So it was in San Francisco. There was a protest for all sorts of things. There was an AIDS activism protest happening Mm -hmm. as a, hey, can someone fucking acknowledge what's happening here? (laughs) No? Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was real shitty. Mm -hmm. She got beaten, like, a lot. Yeah. So, the baton beating caused significant internal injuries resulting in three broken ribs and she required the emergency removal of her ruptured spleen so this was all caught on videotape i love technology what a different place the world is with it Mm -hmm. 
because goddamn. And it th- this could have happened. This could have happened. No one would have seen it. But they showed it on all the news stations because she's standing. The police are telling everyone to disperse. Mm-hmm. And she's turning around to try and figure a way through this crowd because everyone's packed in like sardines. Mm-hmm. And this cop takes out his fucking club and just goes in on it. And it I and it's not a one time occurrence. No, it it's is. not. It happens all the fucking time, especially to people of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Protesting, speaking out for Pro- their yeah, rights. Yes, exactly. Uh lawfully doing so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The Bill of Rights. Yes. It does say we have the right to assembly. We do. So uh So, this is caught on videotape. It's broadcast widely on local TV stations. So, she later, after all this, sued the shit out of the San Francisco Police Department and the city of San Francisco for the attack, which she won a large settlement for. I couldn't find the number. But the proceeds went to benefit farm workers. So, she took all of it and right back into the fucking cause. As a result of this assault and the suit, the San Francisco Police Department was pressured to change its crowd control policies and its process of officer discipline. And then I said, is this all sounding a little too familiar? Are we all uncomfortable right now? (laughs) Fucking good. Let's do something about it. It's almost like those training programs aren't working. Right? Oh, no. Weird. Do we have to go talk to the drawing board because it's not sinking in? Should we maybe just like take some funds out at other places somewhere that's a little more uh, useful? Useful. Yeah. So after a lengthy recovery, Dolores took a leave of absence from union work, which, God damn it, she fucking deserves it. (laughs) She championed women's rights and feminist campaigns during this time off. She also fought for ethnic diversity in these campaigns. She traveled the country for two years on behalf of the feminist majority's feminization of power 50-50 by the year 2000 campaign. And basically this was encouraging Latinas to run for office. And let me tell you what, it worked. (laughs) (laughs) The campaign resulted in a significant increase in the number of women representatives elected at the local state and federal levels. Fucking getting shit done. Mm-hmm. And numbers are only growing. That's right. Let's keep keep it up, ladies. Yeah. You you want to do it? You go. Let's, Let's support you. Let's get it. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, me. I'll support you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So now we're just gonna talk about some of her honors and stuff. So Dolores was an honorary co-chair of the Women's March on Washington in January 2017 the day after Shitstein was inaugurated as president. Mm. <laughs> yep. In, don't get me started on him either. Don't let's. Oh, God. In 2014, Dolores Suerta organized people in Colorado to vote against Amendment 67, which was it would limit a woman's access to birth control, family planning services, and abortions. Mm-hmm. Which, ugh, can we quit fucking talking about it? Like, just leave us alone. Just yeah. fucking leave us. <laughs> Let us make our own goddamn decisions. You have the right to change your mind. You have the right to learn. Mm-hmm. And you should. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you shouldn't be embarrassed or any, like, shouldn't feel any sort of shame for changing your mind. Mm-hmm. You are growing and learning, getting wiser. Exactly. We should be. That is that is what being part of this human experience mm-hmm. is all about perspective and growing and learning and just being a more well-rounded person in this world that we live in. So if that means putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and then going, oh, fuck, I never thought about it that way. Or that's never something I have ever had to worry about. Oh, it's beautiful and it's brilliant. And we should all be doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. Especially because with her, she had a very different background. She was raised very religious, very Catholic. And so it wasn't something that was top of her priorities or anything like that. But learning, I mean, when she went to New York and sort of had her eyes open about all of these different movements that were all converging and realizing how much further she got in her own fight exactly when she had the support from these other people, because that fight was kind of slow going. Yep. And it took off a whole hell of a lot faster once she got the movement, like the women's movement behind her and And civil rights and and, and all of these other things. It was like, damn. Yeah. Shit gets done when we fucking band together and are all fighting a good fight. So having that chance to be like, this isn't necessarily how I was raised. This wasn't what I believe. This wasn't in my religion or whatever. And being able to be exposed to different things in your life where she was exposed to different things when she went and met all of these different people, it really kind of opened her perspective and those horizons for her to be able to revisit that and be like, you know what? You're right. I maybe need to change my perspective on this. So like what you said, you can always change your mind. And when you gain more perspective on certain Mm -hmm. things, like it wasn't necessarily something that she even thought of before or in when she did think of it, she had very much these roots of her upbringing or her religion taking reign. But like you you just open your mind. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Beautifully said. (laughs) Thank you, Janet. (laughs) This is wonderful. (laughs) I feel... I'm feeling more enriched as a woman. Uh, right? I, I mean, I love this. Also, we hope everyone else is feeling the same yeah. way. <laughs> and that we're not just laying it all out for you. And you're like, oh, good. This is intense. <laughs> Buckle up. It's going to get even more. Ooh, okay. All right. I mean, not today, maybe. But <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's there's future episodes that you never know what's eventually Kiana is going to talk about Nancy Reagan. And we're going to have to take a break halfway through. Uh, we're going to take an intermission <laughs> and just play some elevator music for you at home because Keeks is going to go off. But just as a reminder, fuck those guys. Like, <laughs> seriously. We've been watching a lot of stuff lately where those assholes are everywhere. But that guy. But that guy. <laughs> All right. Let me do some wrapping up. So, Dolores is president of the Dolores Huerta Foundation which she founded in 2002. I forgot to write it down, but she won an award. It was a creative community award that basically they were like, here you go. (laughs) You're great. Here's a bunch of money. She could have done anything with it. So what she did is she started this foundation. The primary purpose of the foundation is to weave movements such as women's rights, LGBTQ rights, immigrants' rights, labor rights, and civil rights together into a unified thread it's all about education and coming together and working as 
one big team against the fucking oppressors. Intersectional. 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 That's it. Thank you, Danny, for whispering that. Way to go, everyone. (laughs) We just have a quiz. And, like, Blue's Clues, like, (laughs) and what's what's the word for this, everyone? That's right! (laughs) Intersectional. Very good. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da. Make it a game show. Okay. They believe that all of these issues are universal human rights issues because they are, Mm -hmm. and therefore the combination of engagement, programs, and volunteers, they try to raise awareness for such issues and encourage others to be activists. Dolores Huerta was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama in May 2012. And I think, so originally when I was telling you my my sources, Mm -hmm. Si Se Puede was the fucking call to action for the farm workers, the the United Farm Workers Group, and Si Se Puede, it basically is yes we can. Uh, so, Barack snatched that saying so, right from them and translated. It. He, yes, exactly. So that's what like yes we can. In when he was giving her the Presidential Medal of Freedom, he was like, I made sure to acknowledge that I absolutely. <laughs> Use that because it's so important. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, and in the documentary, everyone attributes Si Se Puede mm-hmm. to Cesar Chavez, who was also very important. Mm-hmm. They worked together for a very long time. We live in Portland, got a whole... Like, we have a whole goddamn street dedicated to the guy. A boulevard, in fact. A boulevard! <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Why do we have a Cesar Chavez Boulevard and not a Dolores Huerta Boulevard or Avenue or something? I mean, yeah. yeah. So that was that was a whole thing that I had. <laughs> I had, had feelings about yesterday. But yeah, he's been attributed with Si Se Puede for mm-hmm. a long time. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> that, that was Dolores. <laughs> Cesar Chavez was good and everything, but he was a lot more quiet. And uh, she really fucking took the reins and was like, oh, no, no, no. We got to be loud and we got to make people hear us. Me especially because I'm a woman and nobody wants to hear it from me. (laughs) So let's see. There was that. She was the inaugural recipient of the Eleanor Roosevelt Award for Human Rights. And that was given to her in 1998 by President Bill Clinton in 2008. Huerta received the Maggie Award, which is the highest honor of the Planned Parenthood Federation, in tribute to their founder, Margaret Sanger. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. come came all the way around to that. Yeah. And now is a goddamn champion for Planned Parenthood. Let's see. In July of 2018, California Governor Jerry Brown <laughs> <laughs> signed into law AB 2455 which designates April 10th every year as Dolores Huerta Day. Oh, hell yeah. And in March of 2019, Washington Governor Jay Inslee signed a measure also designating April 10th as Dolores Huerta Day. So, two, come on, Oregon. What the fuck? <laughs> Once Oregon jumps in, we got the whole West we Coast. We got the whole goddamn coast. Mm-hmm. Let's let's write somebody. Let's. Oh, oh, Yeah. Let's, Let's do it. I'm on, a cam- <laughs> uh, I'm on a campaign kick. Let's do it. Okay. Gotta make some shit happen. There's a neighborhood in LA. It's Boyle Heights. That has a an intersection that's called the Dolores Huerta Square. 
in Fort Worth, Texas. There's a portion of State Highway 183 in honor of Dolores. She also is <laughs> has an asteroid named after her. Oh. Yeah. Cosmic. <laughs> the, this asteroid is 6849 Dolores Huerta. It was discovered by American astronomers Eleanor Helen and Sheltie Buss. And I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? She also received the Ripple of Hope Award from the Robert F. Kennedy Center for Justice and Human Rights in 2020. So there was an interview that I read is a high school that got a bunch of grants and stuff from the Dolores Huerta Foundation. Mm-hmm. And they turned around. They turned this whole school around. It's wow. it's just it's really, really awesome. And so this was a quote from the vice principal of this school. Mm-hmm. He said, our school is where we want to teach students the power of voice, the power of presence, the power of being, the power of standing up for dignity and fighting for equity and embodying the life lessons and activism of someone like Dolores Huerta. And I was like, oh, that's so great. Yeah. She absolutely is such a fucking hero Mm -hmm. and just worked endlessly Mm-hmm. To, continues to work and continues to just make life better for people mm-hmm. period that was wonderful thank you i just fe- i feel like i just talked for like four hours and screamed that was worth it it was worth i i feel I'm, like there was a lot of good there was a good lot of good dialogue that. and energy we're really vibing today guys Yay. i think it's because we're holding the mics <laughs> Maybe, it might be. Like, I feel a lot more mobile, and I yeah. we can throw it at Danny. Hey! <laughs> I also feel like I just have something to say with a microphone yeah. in my hand. <laughs> right? And it's fuck grapes and fuck Reagan. That's right. <laughs> Goodness. Who are you telling me about? So I'm not telling you about a person. I'm doing that thing where I fit the theme a little bit. Oh, I like it. But okay. I'm doing what I want. <laughs> also, <laughs> Danny, when we were sitting on the couch last night, Danny goes... So, Canna just texted me <laughs> and goes, hey, can I change the people I'm doing this week? And Danny was like, I mean, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> and then we had a discussion. And then, what did I text you? I was, I said something about, yeah, girl, I'll, I'm on it. I'll, I'll do it when I'm, when I've finished my homework. <laughs> and you said, you've started <laughs> dot, 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 eyes emoji. <laughs> and I was like, oh, girl. <laughs> It was a tough week. <laughs> I was tired. I get it, girl. Yeah, I get it. I'm going to do the other two people, so I won't say who I originally picked. Okay. But I was like, that's three women who are still alive uh-huh. and America-based oh, okay. in a row. Sure. And I was like, nah, don't want that. Let's get a little. Let's spread them out. Mix it up a little. Exactly. Okay. So I am talking about the island of Kinu. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so my sources are Six Traditions Unique to the Kinu Where Women Rule by Elizabeth Jor- Jorgen, oh. mm. a website called www.culturium, culturium, it's spelt, it's not English, dot, okay. <laughs> dot ee forward slash en so that the gotcha. webpage would be in would English be in Spanish. and not, I mean, <laughs> do you know what English I'm speaking I'm gonna, or what language right. I'm speaking? I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and then let me find my. I watched two videos. Mm. One was by Outpost News, 
uh, and it's called Kinu, Europe's Last Surviving Matriarchy. And then another video by Great Big Story called Visit the Island Run by Women. Yes! <laughs> oh, I am into an island run by women <laughs> for more than one reason. <laughs> well, then let's get into it. Yes, let's. So, Island of Kinu, a.k.a. No Man's Land, but actually not. We'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> so let's learn about where the island yeah. is. Kinu is the seventh largest island of Estonia, measuring 4.3 miles in length, 7 kilometers, 2.1 miles in width, 3.3 kilometers, and the highest point rising to 29.2 feet above sea level, 8.9 meters. <laughs> The island hangs out in the Gulf of Riga, and it's, together with some of the smaller neighboring islands, makes up one of the smallest municipalities of the country. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's up by Scandinavia, uh -huh. and it's in between, like, the upper part of Scandinavia and Russia. And it's Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia in that. Oh, it sure over is. Over there. Would you look at that? Mm -hmm. It's just across the bay from Helsinki. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that, but yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the island right now. Hey, stop it. Okay, Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay. <laughs> there are four villages, Lemsi, Linakula, Rutsikula, and Tsar. I like it already. Yes. <laughs> One can reach Kinu by a 15-minute plane trip or by ferry with trips taking three hours. Oof. Yes. Oof. So not the plane. The plane ride... Boop, 15 minutes right there ferry three hours and in winter you cannot get there Dunzo, by boat. <laughs> yeah that is ice oof oh that was my next note i just got ahead of myself <laughs> in 2011 the population of the island was recorded to be 487 people which is a slow decrease in population over time it is 0.39 percent change between 2000 and 2011 I checked the census website. Oh, <laughs> the residents of the island are mostly lifelong residents born and raised there, like our girl who was interviewed, Mari Matas. But some have immigrated over, enamored by the life. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the case of Sylvia Soyd. <laughs> <laughs> and she had moved there because that was where her grandmother was raised. Oh, okay. Very cute. Now, what makes the island special and why I'm talking about it today is that UNESCO proclaimed Kinu's cultural space and traditions as a masterpiece of the oral and intangible heritage of humanity. Ooh, mm -hmm. that is, that's a sexy title. <laughs> <laughs> and it was given this title because it is very traditional there and it is considered the last matriarchy of Europe. Okay, yeah. But again, controversial. We'll get mm. Women came to hold so much power on the island due to the fishing season. So there are men on the island. But they leave to go fishing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For many, like many, many months. Uh huh. And so the women are left to the island by themselves and they're running everything. Amazing. Yes. So it's not exactly no man's land, it's a seasonal no man's land. <laughs> That's a, that's a title of this episode, Seasonal No Man's Land. <laughs> Perfect. UNESCO stated that because of this fishing tradition, Kinu women have thus become the principal custodians of the cultural traditions embodied in numerous songs, games, dances, wedding traditions, and handicrafts. 
Even to this day, the men of the island spend a large time of the year away from home, uh-huh. either fishing or what's becoming more common is people are going to mainland Europe and having getting jobs there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. During the fishing season, it is extremely rare to see a man here unless he's a tourist. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the women have practical skills to live year round on the island. However, I just couldn't digest. Can you tell I did this last minute? <laughs> <laughs> so far, no. But when you when you go and look through it, you're like, yeah, I said that. Uh, yeah, okay, I said that too. <laughs> and I feel even worse about it because we came off of such a good one. No, I love this. Okay. I am all about an island of women. Uh, I saw mine. That's why I wanted mm-hmm. to cover it. <laughs> now let's consider the fact that they are considered Europe's last matriarchal society. Mm-hmm. So a matriarchy is a social organization where the mother is the authority figure in the family. This is a social system where power is held by women and cultural norms and customs favor women. Okay. UNESCO is like, oh, yeah, Kinu fits this. Mm -hmm. Women do everything over there. But the women on the island are like, "Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So Sylvia, who moved to the island. grandmother. Yes. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, I understand that. On the outside perspective, Kinu does look like it's a woman's land, and it's the last matriarch of, you know, in Europe. But I would definitely disagree. I think there are certain families here, yes, that are led by women, but the male opinion here is what matters the most. If a man says that's what he wants to do, then that's what's done. Gotcha. Yeah. Boo. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Mara, who was born and raised there, Mm -hmm. also considered the culture to be more patriarchal. I had a quote that I transcribed from video oh okay and then i don't know what happened (laughs) (laughs) because i went back and it was fucking gone i was like (laughs) and i took the the quote at the same time as the sylvia's Mm -hmm. so i'm just gonna give you the rundown okay so what she basically said was that yeah women do everything here and they live here Uh, the most mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that they are necessarily more powerful yep like everywhere in the world yeah. <laughs> yes 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 like everywhere in the world gotcha 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 <laughs> so it's just they aren't there when some decisions are made mm-hmm. the men and that's why they don't have a say in everything sure but when they return they're much more cared for and catered after by the women mm-hmm. that sucks but now let's talk about the women and what they've been upholding in their culture yes and their power yeah Be- I just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. We need to take care of the technicalities. Now let's get to the good stuff. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So women have a clear role on the island, if you haven't noticed. Rituals, initiations, church, government, and everything is run by them. Mara stated that basically the woman's role is to, quote, take care of the life circle of the land. Mm. Oh, I love that. When she was asked about the men's role, she said, men bring income, good income. Better income is better. (laughs) Or we can manage them better. So they're still managing the finances of the island. Sure. Over time, a hallmark identity of Kinu women is to be exceptionally strong and independent. Additionally, the women on the island have worked extremely hard to maintain their cultural identity and keep traditions alive. They also have to prepare the island for the harsh winter season, Mm -hmm. where they're basically cut off from everybody else. And one of the articles I read said that Kinu women, Mm -hmm. their life needs to constantly be in motion damn always fucking doing shit i couldn't live there because i like to do a whole lot of nothing a lot of the time (laughs) (laughs) i suppose though if i had to constantly prepare for like six months of 
dark and ice, <laughs> I'd probably a little, be a little more diligent. <laughs> but they weave and stuff. Sure, sure. And that feels like it could be a hobby. Yeah. But it's still necessary. Yep. So while the island has been affected by outside influence, for the most part, the traditions have been kept very alive and are deeply ingrained in society. For example, the island adopted Russian Orthodoxy as a religion in the mid-1800s. Oh. In hopes of getting farmland from the czar. Yep. But also, where? (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know. I've met people who, like, run as much as there is land on this island, like, regularly. I don't. But, like, (laughs) you literally, you could run from one island, like, one end to the other. Yeah. It's just, like, exercise. So it's not big. Yeah. I bet you none of the women on the island are marathon runners. Probably They just not. don't have they, the space. Fuck, they're busy. <laughs> they got shit to do. Oh, that too. <laughs> but not jogging for fun and then getting a juice. <laughs> like, no, ma'am. No juice. Herring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so... Russian Orthodoxy still practiced today, but it is heavily, heavily incorporated with Kinu seafaring and pre-Christian traditions. Yes. <laughs> so one of the examples was their baptisms. Uh-huh. They hold baptisms at their the godparents' house mm-hmm. of, the, of said child. And during the celebration, godparents and relatives give monetary gifts to the child, and the mother pours the, the water from uh-huh. On a planted apple tree. <gasps> oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that too. <laughs> hand in hand with religion, uh-huh. marriage, and the Kinu marriage tradition is like a really strong trademark of their culture. Mm-hmm. And like baptisms, they are a mesh of pre Christian traditions and Christian traditions. Mm-hmm. I almost said post Christian, but <laughs> <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> One day we might make it, but <laughs> thus far we're stuck to right back down in the middle of it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna read an excerpt from Ooh. the website because it's it's a long long explanation of what it is. Okay, so there's basically two parts, or it's a multi-day wedding. I love that. And there are two specific parts that I'm going to talk about, and that is the proposal mm-hmm. and the actual wedding. Okay, so. Kozjad, which is the wooing process or the engagement. <laughs> Quote, first the groom needs to ask the hand of his bride to be. They ask. They <laughs> That's how nice. hello somebody is. <laughs> the groom and the groomsman together with his closest relatives go to the house of the bride. The groom brings the drinks and the bride takes care of the food because they have to do everything. Of course. <laughs> Even when they're being fucking wooed. Yeah. <laughs> As the date has been previously agreed upon, the bride has invited other girls from the village to her house. The bride with the girls hide themselves under large woolen shawls, and the groom has to pick out the right girl. (laughs) How fun! After the groom has succeeded in finding his bride, Uh I don't know what happens if he doesn't, but... Yes. After the <laughs> tough shit, buddy, you're marrying the wrong woman. <laughs> that's what happens. You pick the wrong one, that's the one you marry. It's like a shitty game of guess who. <laughs> Pretty unfair to her friends, too. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm sure he just picks until he gets the right. Okay, that's until fair. Until he gets his bride. After the groom has succeeded in finding his bride, there is a party with traditional food and dancing. Great. So, after this happens, at the end of the night, mm-hmm. if the groom 
gets a woven belt, that means his proposal has been accepted. Okay. If not, then he has been rejected. <gasps> oh, man. Can you imagine waiting all night to see oh. if you receive a belt? It's like a better version of the Bachelorette. That instead of a rose <laughs> that's going to die, you're like, look at this fucking belt I got! <laughs> Let's make a sketch. Okay. That <laughs> is The Bachelor, but it's Kino. And it's a bunch of men getting belts. Yes. <laughs> Who doesn't get the belt gets sent home. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I love that. The actual wedding ceremony is usually held the summer after the proposal is made. Mm-hmm. And that's only if he gets the fucking belt. Mm. After the ceremony of proposing, the bride has to prepare her dowry. So during the wedding party, she has to give all present relatives of the groom and all functional figures. So like if there are waiters, yep. musicians, she has to give all of them hand knitted things Fuck. as a gift that's a lot of knitting yeah so weaving i'll show you pictures of it uh-huh. and it'll be on the instagram as well beautiful oh i can't even imagine i bet they're stunning colorful wonderful detailed and- yes because that kind of handiwork you can't find that just anywhere that's oh. that is special yes so she has to make all of this stuff if she has not managed to make enough needlework or knitting things Mm -hmm. the bride has to ask other girls on the island for help and every thursday they'll gather to work oh oh like a knitting party (laughs) i don't knit but that sounds like fun (laughs) well you'll like this next part okay because at the end of the each thursday when they're working in the evening the young men his groom and his friends will come Uh over and they'll have just a little dancing party (gasps) like it's a celebration of community and everything (sighs) the whole way through i love it that's so cute it's adorable (laughs) okay so now we're at the wedding okay the wedding party is now okay things have been knitted and have been distributed belts are being worn yes exactly perfect so the wedding party of kinu unites oral tradition ritual practices and handicraft traditionally the celebration is held in two houses the bride and the groom will have separate parties in their own homes okay with their own guests and members of the kin and the wedding will last for three days accompanied with like ancient songs the parting of the bride from her home so Mm -hmm. she traditionally from one house Uh gets moved to the groom's house Mm -hmm. which is now her house and then they celebrate that Uh singing and dancing ancient things and then this is when the dowry is given out there is a specific young woman in the bridal party but Mm -hmm. bridal party feels very western yeah (laughs) yeah traditionally the bridal party and she'll give it out to everybody in the okay Mm -hmm. the third day is usually just meant for cleaning up Mm -hmm. and so everybody takes it's a part of the wedding to help clean up and sure and i think that's you celebrate you celebrate together you fucking clean up together. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I, everything involves everybody, and uh-huh. it's a very close community, and mm-hmm. it's mostly women supporting women. Love that. I love that. Okay. So another example of the outside and local meshing of culture can be found in their cuisine. Oh. Nowadays, as the case with many island nations, food is imported onto the island, which has been a direct threat to the Kino culture. Oh. Because, you know, accessib- that's what happens yeah pretty much everywhere yeah convenience overtakes mm-hmm. tradition because traditionally traditions are difficult exactly. <laughs> how about that They're traditional for a fucking reason <laughs> you gotta work real hard to get it yeah mm-hmm. 
And I, I put this in here because I thought you would like to hear about bread. <laughs> I love to hear about bread. I can't make it to save my goddamn life, but I boy, do I love it. The women of Kinu got bread down to the point where each family typically cultivates their own plot of <gasps> land, grows rye. Oh, my God. And harvests it, dries it, and makes their own flour. Oh, my God. That is a labor of love, and I bet that is the best fucking loaf of bread. Yes. Oh, a nice dark, a nice dark rye. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. most Baltic nations have their own black bread. Mm-hmm. But what makes Kinu's bread special is that they add some potatoes in, little pieces of pork fat, or Baltic Ooh. herring. They leave the bread in the oven overnight. Oh. And it's basically a smoked bread. Get out of here. Yeah. Oh, Lord. So Holy cow. The herring, I'm like, maybe not so much, but like a little bit of like a little bacon in there, mm-hmm. a little smoky bread. Oh. One of the visible markers of the island tradition is their clothing. It's this moving on. Specifically, the woven striped skirts or court umlaut over that o oh okay <laughs> just how do they just say it in estonian um, it just means skirt and they're always made in like groups like it's a group activity to sure make the skirts the colors patterns are more striking than like the mainland counterparts uh-huh. with red as the main color shades of pink green yellow white and blue to cover the main red part mm-hmm. and then they have scarves and head coverings that they or more fine detail work with like mm-hmm. flowers and leaves. Oh, I bet natural. that's lovely. Yeah, we're gonna have some great pictures up for this episode. We really are, because mm-hmm. also because it's a UNESCO site. Yep. I mean, the UN has been there and have been snapping some pics. Yep. Real high quality stuff. Oof. And it's all it's it's vibrant and just gorgeous. Yes. Ugh. Okay. In Estonian sign language, <gasps> the island is signed by imitating these stripes on the on oh, the really? skirt. Mm. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, I think that's really cool. <laughs> if you're ever in the Tallinn airport, which is in Estonia, okay, their handiwork is showcased here where you can buy some of their creations. <gasps> what? Or you can sit on one of the many chairs in the airport that have the striped patterns on it. That's so cool. Yeah. Let's go to Estonia. I want to go to Kinu. You can. It's like a tourist site. Can you really? Yeah. They have um, a bunch of B&Bs. Okay. 40 euros a night. Get uh, uh, t- Girl, where are you going to Kinu? <laughs> okay, there's a whole lot about Kinu that I feel like I've missed in this because I don't speak Estonian. <laughs> their culture is more than just visual, of course. Another important part of the culture is their music and dancing. And the music has its origin also in pre-Christian times. Basically, the whole island is pre-Christian with like a little sprinkling of Russian orthodoxy in there, yeah? Exactly, oh. yes. I love a pagan. Love a, love, a, love a little pagan with a little sprinkle of things in there. Mm-hmm. Many of the songs are like lyrical and like a narrative piece and are sung just throughout daily life. It's like a huge part oh, of the fun. everyday culture. It's like a musical. Basically. Every day of the week you just walk, just walking around singing songs about life. And I bet you oh my God. everybody knows the songs that everybody's yeah. singing. Yeah. Oh my God. Is my dream come true? <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to go? Do you want to live there? Yeah. I mean, I want to go for sure. I don't know about living there. (laughs) Typically, so the singing and dancing, it's throughout daily life. But then they also have a lot of like events where more performative singing and dancing happens. Sure. And this is at the Metsama. 
which is described as a cultural farm where just like the hangout is. It's like a community okay, center. Okay. It is open to tourists and they often play films year round about the culture at the Metsama. <gasps> Fun. And I did try to learn more, but again, all again. in Estonian. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I wanted to know where the name came from. <laughs> couldn't figure it out. So if anybody does know more, please reach out. Email yeah. us at that broadscottmoxie at gmail.com. That's right. <laughs> tell us tell us all the deets. Yeah. Tell if you've been there, oh my god, I'll I want die. to know more. Yeah. Tell and me. And send us all your pictures. Oh yeah. We want it. We yeah. It'd be It's going on the list. We'll we'll just randomly go to Kinu and route <laughs> to another <laughs> another destination and I, like make a trip of it. I think Tallinn is really pretty. So mm-hmm. I think just an Estonia trip would be yeah. worth it. That's fucking cool as shit. I texted Zeth that. I was uh-huh. like, hey, this is fantastic. I want to go. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, yeah, they call it the Philadelphia of Estonia. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I'm going to bring that up on the podcast. That's really interesting. <laughs> and he just meant it. <laughs> he just meant it as we've been to Philadelphia before. And that was kind of weird when we tell people that's where we went as a vacation. Uh-huh. And so this would just be that again. It absolutely. Like would nobody be. would be, everybody would be like, why'd you go there? Yeah. What's there? Exactly. <laughs> and just to put this out there, Philadelphia was great. So. Yeah, we loved Philly when we, when we, when we visited. Oh, I, we did the podcast when I visited. Everybody yeah. knows I've been there. Yeah. I had a lot of feelings about it. Yeah. And you had very sore feet. Yeah. <laughs> Literal. Did I tell the story that the blister on the yeah. bottom of my foot exploded yeah. while I was walking? And you had a squishy foot. <laughs> yeah. That was gross. <laughs> I'm started buying. Thanks for bringing it up again. <laughs> my 2021 resolution was to start buying better shoes. Girl, I was talking to Peaches the other day and it all devolved from like watching Legendary and being like, oh my God, they're so fucking fabulous and fierce and I can't even. And I was like, once upon a time that could have been my life, but I love a comfortable shoe <laughs> too much, too much these days <laughs> to be living that life. Yeah. That's why I have a pair of Crocs now. Oh God, the Crocs! <laughs> the fucking Crocs! One of... <laughs> One of my favorite things to do is put my Crocs in sport mode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And just like go like this. I can't describe it over the podcast, but I basically just go. (laughs) All around the house. Oh, my. I feel there's something about Crocs that make me feel so powerful. Just for everyone. Just so everyone... (laughs) Can can visualize this in her mind. Kiana essentially just made like the flash move, <laughs> like he's gonna take off and then just dis- like disappear because he's so fast. And it's also also sort of like you know in football, it's like a gener- runner stance or yeah that whatever that is <laughs> that's on the like Heisman Trophy or whatever that weird yeah position like like you're like you're pushing someone away but also lifting your leg at the same time. And I only do it when they're in sport mode. When I'm relaxing. No. I Can like- you explain to everyone what sport mode is? I know what it is because I've had a pair of Crocs. Not in about 15 years, but please enlighten our listeners. So, on a pair of Croc, it's a clog, and then it has a band. Mm-hmm. And you can either push the band up, and mm-hmm. it becomes a part of the, like... The foot, arch. The arch. It goes over the top of the foot. Or you can put it down, and 
your foot is more secure it's in the locked crotch. and loaded yeah it's a it's like a strap Mm-hmm. And it goes around your foot, and that's when it's in sport mode. And those sh- that's not coming off. No. So when you're in sport mode, <laughs> watch out. The world is your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have Seth take a video of oh me playing God. around Please, in sport God, mode. Please, <laughs> God, let's do this. It's when I'm in sport mode. Yes. It yeah. turns me on. Not that way. <laughs> Tell us more about that, Keeks. <laughs> How do your crocs get you all riled? <clears throat> Back to the story. Okay. Because they don't get me all riled. They just put me into sport mode. <laughs> and I feel very athletic. Do you remember that sticker we saw in the car last weekend? What did it say? Don't crock it till you rock it or no, something? No, you're not rocking it if you're not crocking That's it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Danny saw it out the back window and pointed it out to Keeks in the front seat. And we all had a good chuckle about it. And then Keeks regaled us with the fact that she now owns Crocs. And we were like, please explain. (laughs) And now we're here in sport mode. (laughs) If anybody wants to talk to me about Crocs, I'm open to it. Just email us at (laughs) thatbroadsgotmoxie.com. Uh, where was I? I, I got, don't know. I was just thinking about doing all the sports. Can you imagine doing actual no, things in it, though? I can't it imagine doing work. anything other than maybe walking around in the garden in Crocs. That is what I do most of the time. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about the Metsama. They have several celebrations that they hold there that are notable. Mm-hmm. So St. Catherine's Day is to celebrate November 25th each year. And during this celebration, the men and women wear masks, which, <laughs> and sing fertility songs. Very cool. Yeah. And of course, food is shared amongst all of them and gifts are given between households. Fun. Yeah. Another holiday is St. John's Day on June 23rd, which I think would be a fun time to visit it, mm-hmm. which is celebrated as the longest day of the year throughout the Baltics. Yeah. Homes are decorated with birch branches, and when the sun sets, the party starts. <gasps> yes. Communities gather together for bonfires, dancing, singing, and other merriment. Oh, I love merriment. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to end soon. So one of these dances, because I haven't really gone into the detail about them. Sure. But Sylvia specifically mentioned enjoying the Uhest Sudan. Sudan. Which translates to born from one and is the dance of the sisters. And it's supposed like both blood sisters and Uh not. Mm -hmm. And it's just supposed to like symbolize that. Yeah, we all come from women. Uh We all are women. We are strong. We are sisters. We are one. Oh, my God. I love that. Yes. I just think it's amazing. Just the community and cooperation that they all have with one another. Gorgeous. She also describes the culture of the island as beautiful and precious, not just in culture, but also in nature, and thinks it's very important that we protect it and keep the tradition alive. And I think we should do that by visiting it. Yes. Let's do it. Giving the locals all the money. All of it. All of the money. I just, I want to see everything and just like immerse as much as as much as I'm allowed, because I don't want to like interfere, mm-hmm. you know, be part of something that I'm not supposed to. But like, 
they do, they do celebrate Midsummer. <laughs> I was gonna when you say Midsummer, I was like, well, that sounds a little bit like Midsummer to me. I did see an A-frame house. Yep, and I also did see a yellow house. Okay, two separate things, but that does make me think that maybe there is an A-frame yellow house, like in Midsummer. Great, which would be cool, disturbing. But so visiting the island, it seems they. Just, I was on the website and it just uh-huh. kept on saying like, yeah, if you want to do this, send an email and they'll get it started. So like you can request live music to play at Metsama. Like uh-huh. just send an email and say what day you want. Oh, wow. And then they'll go and do it. Or like if you, most of the restaurants are closed most of the time. Sure. But if you email them and are like, hey, I would like some food. Uh-huh. They will give you the food. Like it's all very. That's really, really cool. So I feel like. It would be hard to overstep boundaries if mm-hmm. you are communicating directly with the people. Exactly. Exactly. When and you I, when you have that open dialogue and you can you can ask questions and you can just talk to people about like what can we do and where can we do it and how do we make this happen? Mm-hmm. Bada bing bada boom. Yeah. Very Oh, so cool. Yeah. All right, next summer. <laughs> <laughs> Am I, am I planning too soon? Okay. Oh, maybe. maybe. Oh. <laughs> so even if it isn't no man's land, and even if they don't consider themselves the last matriarchy in Europe, those dang broads got moxie. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and I'm glad to learn about it and share it with you guys. Thank you. Let's go. Let's go. I love that. Ah, <laughs> oh, Kinu. I never heard of it. No, it's never crossed my... I do a lot of weird research. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of weird things. I stumbled upon it when I was Great Big Story. That yeah, Great Big yeah. They have a whole bunch of like really like Mm -hmm. videos that you can get rabbit holes. Those are super cool. Yeah, I love those videos. Never seen that one before. Yeah, it was it was a compilation about little towns, and then obviously Mm -hmm. when they were like, no men are here, I was like, oh, 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 I know a bunch of broads who want to hear about broads. Perfect. I really love, obviously, it's great when we talk about women, Mm -hmm. right? Women in history doing cool shit. But I love when we do a tangential, here's this cool place that you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. And here's why it's so important to women in general. And I think that's awesome. I love when we have these little like offshoots of like, it's all part of what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. Just in a different, like really lovely way. Yay! Okay, well, we're going. Mm-hmm. I will do some... I'll do some... Do some research. If anybody wants to look it up, it's spelled K-I-H-N-U. Oh, that was so fun. Oh, what a good episode, everyone. Mm-hmm. Snaps for us. Yes. All right. Well, we hope you all enjoyed that beautiful, wonderful episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, how do we do this? <laughs> if- <laughs> If you want to tell us everything, yes. I don't know if you heard, our email is thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail.com. That's right. And you can find us on all of our socials. On Instagram and Facebook, we are at thatbroadscottmoxie. And on Twitter, at broadscottmoxie. Mm-hmm. And if you would do us a huge favor, yeah. please rate, review, and subscribe if you can wherever you are listening. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate the feedback. Yes. We love to hear from you guys and we just, we want to do everything we can to like make this something that you all love and you want to listen to and we're coming back with like some real fucking fire (laughs) and it's, it's good. I'm very excited about what's to come for the future of us 
threesies and our listeners. our listeners and all of you fabulous people out there. Mm. So, all right, let's get snacks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to speak into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.